on RSN 927, the Racing and Sports Rundown. And welcome to a big Cox Plate and Spring Champion Stakes edition of the Racing and Sports Rundown today. The rundown has changed a little bit on what myself, Brad Bishop, Simon Donopoulos and Adam Blanco were going to be talking about yesterday when we had a, a very brief uh, production meeting. We were going to be reviewing the Manicato Stakes off the top, then going into today's action. That, as you know, will not be happening. We'll still have a chat about the Manicato Stakes a little bit later on, but it's great that we've now got three Group 1s to talk about. Cox Plate, the main fair, really good days racing up in Sydney. They've got the best of the weather. Unfortunately, it hasn't stopped raining here in Melbourne just yet, but there are promising signs for the afternoon. I think we'll be dealing with a, uh, a pretty soggy track there at Mooney Valley, though. Not sure how that affects the thoughts of Adam Blenko, who has been on Media Street this week. He has been the face of the Cox Plate. Move aside, Lizzie Jelfs. <laughs> <coughs> Your star has risen immensely this week, Adam. How's the week been for you? It's been a good week. I'm very much looking forward to the uh, the wet cox plate. I don't know about move over Lizzie Jelfs. So I'm uh, I'm not that pretty a face. That's that's for sure and certain. But uh, it's nice to see handicappers and ratings guys getting a, a little bit of love out there because usually we're about as popular as umpires at the footy. So. <laughs> Of course, this was a very good Cox Plate package that was doing the rounds on social media. If you haven't had a chance to see it, make sure you head along uh, to Twitter and check it out because Adam did a fantastic job recounting the Cox Plate and putting a numbers perspective on it and just outlining why it is such a good race and where it belongs right among the top echelon here in Australia. Simon, what did you think of Adam's performance there? Said <laughs> <laughs> all. <laughs> No, I think the my most enjoyable part of it all was watching Adam panic in the lead-up to it being released because it took about a day to film, and he said they had him turning this way, pointing here, pointing there. He had no idea how it would turn out, but I think we all know it turned out really well, which was disappointing. <laughs> yeah, great shame. What he, what he did do was, and this is one of the hardest things to do, It he united racing Twitter. Everyone loved it. It was. It's most unusual that everyone's on the same side of the fence with things like that on racing Twitter. I think it was nice for everyone to put a face to the most sarcastic man on Twitter too, Brad. <laughs> they did do that, um, and hopefully we'll avoid the sarcasm today. Um, it might be an opportunity for you to take a few pot shots at Melbourne's weather, though, Simon, because um, mm. it hasn't been great since around about oh, 7.30 last night. Um, we were that close to getting through that valley meeting without the rain coming, which was predicted to come earlier, and it's caused uh, absolute mayhem. But the positives are, I think we're actually going to have an afternoon with no rain here in Melbourne. So it's rained a little bit longer this morning than what most were expecting, um, and that's going to mean the track will be at least a soft seven, heavy eight, probably by the time we do... We do jump, but um, the afternoon should be clear, uh, which is a good thing, around about 8 and 19 degrees and overcast. So not sure how that affects um, your thoughts on the Cox Plate. Uh, Adam, we, we were here a couple of weeks ago and we were we were raising questions over Animo as to what he'd beaten. Well, he got off the canvas and he beat those horses, a lot of the horses that he's up against today, some of the main dangers that he's confronting here today. How do you assess mm. him going into today's Cox Plate? <clears throat> Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because <clears throat> you're right, we sort of were asking the question last start whether, you know, this was a, a big test for him, I think, the the might and power at Caulfield. And I think, it, I mean, it proved to be a, a big test, but he was able to dig in and, and pass that test. And 
So I, my first glance when I, I looked at this field and first time I, I saw a Cox Plate market coming into this this week at the start of the week there, I th- you know, and I think most people probably had the same reaction, and that is, well, Animo's too short, we'll get him beaten. Um, the more I looked at it, the more I thought all, all the sort of ways that I could be really hard against him at that price and, and at sort of 240, 230, whatever, whatever price he is at the moment. Um, I thought they were probably just trying to be too clever, and I, I think it's a bit simpler than that. I think Animo is a, a short price favourite, and... And so he should be. He passed that. He passed that test last time. I think what he achieved there and what he did to, you know, I think that was a, a bigger stumbling block than maybe it was given credit for. What he what he did at Caulfield there. So the fact that uh, certainly in the early markets, horses like Zaki and Co were actually tightening to him. If you if you calculated the the ratio of their SPs and their prices early in the week, there's Zaki sort of tightening to him. I I don't see off Caulfield how Zaki's more likely now than he was at Caulfield. You know, given a soft time of it out in front there. So. Consulted the racing and sports supercomputer. It, it wants to tell me that that Animo should be short, and it's it's doing one thing that a, a lot of us human beings probably fail to do, and, and that is to consider things that, you know you know a bit bit more broader, and that is not to just consider Animo's chances based on heads and necks and narrow margins in, in the might and power, but you know to consider his entire body of work and the fact that he's trained by James Cummings and the fact that he's ridden by James McDonald. He won a Rose Hill Guineas by six times the average winning margin in that race, fourth up on soft ground at 2,000 metres, last preparation. It's all, um, yeah, he's a lot more than just that might and power performance, and, and even so, it's um, it's something to to hang your hat on anyway. So there's there's a lot to like about the favourite, and I think he's, you know, as I said, I think it's actually all fairly straightforward. I like that you mentioned the, the uh, Rose Hill Guineas, because I'm... The way I'm assessing him coming into today's race, I love the fourth up profile. This has been the target race all along. And going back to the autumn, he was... <clears throat> plain's probably the wrong word to use because he was narrowly beaten in a Group 1 race. Um, and, and it might have been just a little bit of the fact that he was an odds-on favourite in that race that um, had some question marks over him going into the Rose Hill Guineas. And then he comes out and he wins that by six and a half lengths. Could have won it by more. Uh, that was the fourth up run last prep this today is his fourth up run this has been the goal all along so i'm expecting him to run a really big peak off the back of his last start performance and it's interesting simon that i think his best three performances have all been at 2000 meters yeah barring uh, obviously the queen elizabeth we're happy to put a line through that when he didn't <coughs> handle the track and you know who knows what the track could be uh, later this afternoon but I think the key, as Adam touched on, it gets harder and harder to sound clever when more cards are face up, and that's what the Cox Plate is. Uh, they're all at their grand final. We've seen them all mostly uh, three runs back, so the market has such a good line on where the form sits, so it's hard to really you know, say anything that's going to sound very clever. Animo's a deserving favourite and probably the right price. El Bodegon is the horse that is the trendy alternative. He's the unknown. It's remarkable looking at European three-year-olds to run in the Cox Plate. Uh, generally, they've been $758, but they have won three times their share in terms of market expectation. So they've won two from six. Uh, the market expected them to win about 0.5. So no surprise to see the market trending towards El Bodegon, even though he's no better uh, than the, the previous European three-year-olds we've seen line up in the race. It's hard to really see the other horses turn the tables on Animo from that race at Caulfield. Uh, therefore, El Bodegon is your answer if you don't want to back Animo. So it looks pretty straightforward from, I guess, a tipping or a preview perspective. And as, a, as Adam touched on already, he ticks all the boxes. And you didn't mention it earlier, Adam, but what's the quirky stat for Animo today? 
Oh, I don't know if it's quirky. It's just an interesting thing that he's he's out to achieve. He'll be the the he'll win the most Group Ones in the Godolphin Blue anywhere in the world if he wins today, and that's in Godolphin's history, which is some sort of claim to fame. He'll knock off Delami and, and Fantastic Light, and they were um, absolute megastars for the Godolphin operation in the Northern Hemisphere. And they've had some good ones, Dubai Millennium and, and Dubawi and Co. They've had some outstanding horses, and he'll be uh, yeah the. The one who's won the most group ones probably says something about how we hand them out down here, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, but. <laughs> well, well um, uh, one of those to kick the preparation off uh, was uh, only in- introduced as a group one uh, not that long ago. But I think we owe a debt of gratitude to Godolphin for racing him on. It was fantastic that they gave him another spin around as a four-year-old. And he's putting together a pretty handy um, uh, resume as a four-year-old because it's not often that a horse wins a Cox Plate um Continuing an undefeated spring, so he will be in pretty rare air if he can do that. And now Simon, so we can um, we can thank Godolphin, but Godolphin should also thank the punters because we've put on the money for him. Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm glad <laughs> the prize money is pretty good as well. Um, <laughs> and hopefully, he gets a fair chunk of it today because I think we're all on his side. I just want to drill down with you a little bit further on Al Bodegon, Adam, because I had a chat to you during the week for a story on racing and sports. If you didn't have a look at it, uh, didn't see it, you can pop along to the website there and have a read of that because it was me trying to get you to put into perspective where he fits in against some of these other Northern Hemisphere three-year-olds that A, have run in the race and B, run really well in it and won it like State of Rest and Adelaide. How do you marry <coughs> him up with those two horses in particular? Yeah, they're the two that you, you gravitate to, aren't they? And, and fair enough because State of Rest came down here I've got El Bodegon rated 118, Aid State of Rest rated 118. Achieved slightly differently, but with the same rating coming down here. Adelaide was only a pound or two pounds better, and Highland Reel's the, the other one who was a little bit better, admittedly, Highland Reel, but not much. Um, and Highland Reel also had run a placing in, in the French Derby, which is really the run that El Bodegon's hanging on. I think he's, his Grand Prix de Paris run was good, but it's the French Derby run where he was around top, top horses in, in that race where he's really, you know, that's where he hangs his hat. We've seen... A few horses off that, that race. Grandiera was a, a place getter in the French Derby and we saw him behind Northerly and Defire back in one of the really great Cox plates at the, the turn of the century there. And, and of course, Highland Reel was in, you know, arguably the, the best Cox plate since, certainly in terms of talent where he was, he was in that great Cox plate that, that Winks won in blistering time. I think it was her first. So, um, you know, that, that sort of, you know, he ties in reasonably with those. I'd say one of the big differences when I look at a Highland Reel or I look at a, even a state of rest last year, with El Bodegon is that when, and Adelaide to some extent as well, is when they came down here, they came off a big peak and were were peaking and incoming, whereas El Bodegon was not quite at his absolute best last start. So his best run was earlier in the campaign and he's he's just tapered only slightly, as I said, at, at Longchamp, but then he, he was below his best at York last time. So that's probably maybe a, a little slight difference in, in his profile to the others, that he doesn't arrive down here sort of breathing fire off a big peak last start. He's, he's coming off a, a slightly down run last time. So maybe if, you, if you're trying to be clever, that might be a, a little knock against him as you know when you're trying to profile him against those two horses. All right. So Animo's peak runs are 125, and they're, they're all uh, 125 or 124, and most of those are around the... Tw- uh, in those 2,000 metre races, what needs to happen for El Bodegon to be able to beat Animo if he runs up to that mark again today? He actually, I mean, as I said, he's got the same rating as State of Rest. He's got the same, and I mean, there's an obvious tie-in, right? There's State of Rest 
beating Animo, so they tell me. I still think Animo beat him last year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last year. So that's, I mean, he's got to make that same elevation that we saw State of Rest make. It's the same elevation we saw Adelaide make. I think with Adelaide more than the other, more than State of Rest and more with, certainly more than El Bodegon, it was, it was obvious that that was coming. Um, he, the way he'd sort of achieved his ratings in, in Europe had said, okay, I'm, I'm actually way better than this. And, and when I get a fair crack at it, I'm, I'm going to let fly. I don't necessarily see that with El Bodegon, but I do see deep form. Um, but that's the, that's the big spike that he has to make. And I think that's another reason why I actually think the prices are probably, if you like Animo and you want to take the price, I don't think it's a bad bet at all. And I think one of the reasons is that Animo's run 125 two weeks ago. Whereas we haven't seen El Bodegon for some time, and the piece of form that we're all excited about is is quite a ways ago. So, you know, basic probability, Animo is you know there is a time decay on ratings. Animo is much more likely to repeat what he did two weeks ago than El Bodegon produced something he's never produced before on the other side of the world, and and you know basically spiking off a run back in June. So, that's the the little query and and the you know the reason that I'm probably not coming on here and, and trying to make a trendy case for El Bodegon, which was um, certainly my first instinct. Yeah, well, you've outlined that um, very nicely. I'm expecting a peak run from Animo. I think he might even go a little bit better than he's gone in the past. And for that reason, Al Bodegon's got to um, improve dramatically out here in Australia. So I'm with Animo as my best of the day, in fact. So Why all, not? Uh, all on the Cox plate for me on the favourite. And I think we're getting a nice price. He's out to around about 240 250 And it, w- it wouldn't shock me if we, we see 260 or 270 just with this really big push for Al Bodegon. Um, on race day and with rain falling. So I like the fact that we're getting a nicer price than we did straight after the draw. Uh, Simon, are you having a bet in the Cox Plate? Yeah, I'll be backing Animo. And you're Animo as well, Adam. Is it a betting race for you? Uh, it's not a huge betting race for me, I, I must admit. But, I, yeah, I think there's probably more value to be had in, in Animo probably than, than any other runner in the race. All right, beautiful. That's an assessment of the Cox Plate. Looking forward to that a little bit later on. We've got another Group 1, the Manicato Stakes, to talk about at Mooney Valley. We'll do that on the other side of this break. And before we move on from Mooney Valley, we've got to talk about the Manicato Stakes, the Group 1 that was transferred from last night. Now, this was a hard enough race as it was when it was meant to be running its initial schedule. Now we've got a few other th- things to consider, like how these horses have uh, coped with uh, a trip, to, not only a trip to the races last night, but what they experienced when they were getting ready to go out onto the track for the Manicato Stakes. They've got to back it up less than 24 hours later. This is just another piece of the puzzle you don't really need, Adam. Yeah, actually, it's an interesting question what what it, you know what it means to, to go to the races on a Friday night, not run and then have to front up again 24 hours, well, not quite 24 hours, but a day on. Um, I'm not sure. I obviously can't factor it in myself and I'll, I'll just be betting naively to, to whether that has any um, impact on things. But the ground is another one. I was actually... Particularly when it, it had come up a good three in the rain, hadn't quite got there last night. I was I thought Rothfire's chances were um, were strengthening by the by the dry minute, but unfortunately the um, the weather intervened and and now race eleven on a wet day that tempers my view there um, a great deal. But I think Paul Laley and Rothfire are a little bit better than the mares. I think that I have them rated a, a little bit better than the mares. So um, and I. I wouldn't have thought there was a lot between their runs in the Moya when the, the track was probably against them. The pattern of the night was, was against them and both probably looking for a bit further than a, a scampering thousand metres, which they, they now get. Um, as I said, I'm not sure conditions really suit Rothfire. I think he's, he probably might be even edging into the wet track duffer category, old Rothfire. But I think they're a bit better than the Mayor's Rock and Horse, Cool and Gatter, Bella Nipotina, who was terrific against the pattern, but, um, 
yeah, as I said, I, I'm, I'm a ratings guy, so I tend to default to those horses who I have rated a little bit better, and that's Paul Ailey and, and Rothfire. So Paul Ailey's probably the one that, that looks the most bomb-proof now. The one, one mare that you didn't mention there that I'm keen to have just a little bit on each way is September Run, just because she has <coughs> run well in these sort of races at Mooney Valley. Your Manicato's on your William Reeds. I, I would have preferred it to be drier ground, but I think she's going to be in the best part of the track, and um, hopefully they're swooping come race 11. Which, that can uh, be... Um... That's interesting, though, because it, it depends, obviously, on... We don't know. Um, if it rains during, and, and often if it... The valley in recent years, when it's got wet on these days, it's it's made life very hard for those back in the field. It's all It's been dirt racing style around the valley when it's when it's got really wet. So that might actually end up not being the best part of the track. It might end up being... Um, but who knows? I'm only speculating. Yeah, so, I, yeah, who I, knows? I think what you touched on there is when it rains during the meeting, and I, I'm yeah. just looking at the radar, I don't think we're going to get a great deal of rain um, in the afternoon. So, fingers crossed, that is the case uh, for the comfort of patrons and yeah. also also for September Rose chances in the Manicato Stakes. That's a wrap of the two group ones at Mooney Valley, or a look at the two group ones at Mooney Valley. We've got one up in Sydney, Simon. This is where you do your best work, the Spring Champion Stakes. You Sydney form students would be absolutely frothing at the mouth, wouldn't you, with a uh, Victorian bringing some three-year-old form up there into a Group 1 in Sydney? Yeah, the listed form of the Caulfield Guineas as well, Brad. So uh, it's, I reckon it's probably obviously away from the Cox Plate, but I think one of the races of the day in, in the sense of, you know, if you're a form student, the four at the top of betting are all off different lead-ups. And I reckon that always creates plenty of debate because I would say there are a lot of people out there doing their forms today that have marked different horses' favourite. I think Prometo taking on the older horses behind Cascadia, and I'm not surprised if you've got him marked favourite. Off the gloaming, there was nothing between the three of them on the line, so who you think will be the most improved getting out in trip? I could see you marking them favourite. Elliptical off the Caulfield Guineas, if you like that form, it's easy to mark him favourite. And then you've got She's Extreme off the flight, which does look to be the pick... I think of the three-year-old form, certainly the best of the group ones to this point, away from the Golden Rose and Jackano, obviously. So you could mark her favourites. I think it's a really, really intriguing race. Uh, I've always been on Williamsburg camp all the way through. I thought it was a good run in the gloaming. I've marked She's Extreme favourite. I think they're the two for me, but it's a really intriguing race. Mm. Tricky, tricky to work out when they're bringing all these form lines together. And you know some of these well, Adam, being our, our Melbourne form man. How do you think Elliptical is going to measure up in this race? He makes a good case for this being race of the day, actually, Simon. The, the more he talks about it, the more I'm I'm very interested. And I'm very interested in Glyn Schofield being on the uh, on what should be the favourite, I, I would imagine, in, in She's Extreme. The return of Glyn to the top table in, in Sydney racing and... I think she's extreme is the one I would be, be marking favourite, as Simo says, through the, the two best races there. Elliptical is interesting, and I think probably one of the little themes away from the Cox Plate, one of the themes of Cox Plate Day in Melbourne and Sydney is this Caulfield Guineas form, because we've got Elliptical, we've got Golden Mile in, in Sydney in the, the new race there that's been designed purely to cut the spring champion's throat. And we've also got the... Um, We've got Berkeley, Berkeley Square. Square, who rates all over them in a very thin-looking vase, thinned out by you know probably running the spring champion on this day. So... How that form stacks up is going to be really relevant to, to punters and to handicappers on Monday morning as well because we want to get more more lines of thought through that, that Caulfield Guineas, which was sort of hard to decipher. But interestingly, Elliptical won at Sandown in June and since then the Freedmans have had one winner in town, which is um, a very, very slim period for, for a stable as good as the Freedmans. So they're... Um, I mean, Are they, they June? Only, 
Are they do well. I don't think they've forgotten how to train, and they are. They were very narrowly beaten there, obviously with with elliptical in in the Caulfield Guineas. So they're absolutely hanging for a good winner, I reckon, the Freedmans, and and they'll be um, chips in with elliptical. They'll, they'll be hoping that that works out. But yeah, deep and fascinating race. But I'll be I'll be cheering Glyn. You have both mounted a good case as to why it is such a good race, but it's just made it very hard to try and work out who's going to win. I rather you're having a bet in the race. Yeah, I've uh, she's extreme. Uh, they she was out in the market earlier in the week, and that's been snapped up. So I'm opposing elliptical. I don't think the guineas form is any good. So happy to oppose that, and I'll be back in Williamsburg first time out of Fenway. We get to see him beyond a mile, and he's been set for this all the way through. I was hoping the rain would come though, because he is an absolute mutter. Uh, he is the king of the swamp in Sydney, certainly from the autumn, but. If I like Williamsburg, She's Extreme gave him an absolute toweling in the champagne. So they're the two for me. And, you know, as good as the other form in the race is, you've got to oppose it somehow. So I'll be backing those two. Any bets for you, Adam? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think She's Extreme should be a... I'll stop short of saying a hot favourite. I'll say a warm favourite. I think She's Extreme. I think she's um, unbelievably maybe for a Group 1 winner. Is she a little bit underrated, She's Extreme? I think the fact when she hasn't come back and won yet and Fireburn came back and didn't win, that she's sort of been, I guess, those form in the autumn has sort of been thrown out because neither have mm. come back and won yet. So that's, I think, the little niggle for her. But they have ran headfirst into the best races in Sydney. So Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking, you know, that gloaming form. I mean, she just absolutely hammered that form. I think she's panels clear of it myself, mm. but... Um... We shall find out in a good race. Yeah, I'm I'm keen on sharp and smart each way, so I'm against you two guys, both with She's Extreme. Oh, that fills me with confidence. <laughs> what that I'm against you, just like last week in the Caulfield Cup. Beautiful. Um, what about the uh, the other main race we've got up there? Uh, I think we can call it main race in its second uh, edition, the Invitation. Um, Simon, this is one that was Ice Bath was able to win last year. Can she do it again? Um, it's been a long time. Well, that was the only win we've seen from her for a little while now. Maybe this is her time. Yeah, I'm, I think this is the best bet of the day, Espiona. Uh, she's been trimmed up this morning, which is good to see. I'm, I'm not alone on this front, but it's a key setup, I think, from the Chris Wallace stable. She just doesn't really handle Rose Hill. She's had three starts there and has yet to fill a placing, but a record at Ramwick is much better. And the gap between runs, I think, is key. We've seen her off 21 days and 35 days, and they were her two best performances to date uh, when she walked in at Flemington and when she won really impressively at this course and distance at the back end of her last prep. I think this is the key target off 28 days. She's drawn to finally land midfield. She's been drawn to get too far back in two runs this time in. And as good as Ice Bath and Nimely are, Espione's only had eight starts, and I like to think uh, she's got a little bit more to come. Uh, she, we've got them pretty much rated alongside each other, Espiona and Ice Bath. So with a little bit more upside, I think a big peak's in coming today for Espiona. I think she gets the right run. Uh, she is the best bet in Sydney. Well, best for the day. That's what we like to hear. Uh, how have you assessed the... You had a good look at the invitation, Adam? No, no, I was uninvited. I, um, <laughs> I gave it a pass. Too many good races this weekend for me to... Uh to drift that way, so I, um, I'll default to, to Simo's thoughts there. I, I don't necessarily disagree as, I, much as, as much as I want to. I haven't done the form as in-depth as what Simon has, but one that I could back each way in that race, and you're getting an each-way price, 650 and 230, is Lee. What are your thoughts on her? Well, nothing between her and Ice Bath. We've seen them race a number of times. Nimalee's beat Ice Bath, Ice Bath's beat Nimalee. There was only a length between him and the Doncaster, so... 
I think they deserve to be the same price this afternoon. Forbidden Love is the interesting runner because she was queen of the swamp uh, during the autumn and just hasn't come back or looks to have come back at all or maybe that form was just garbage. But she's still hard in the market, $6. I'm waiting for the market to dismiss her, but it's still keeping it tight. So interesting to see what it does with her. All right, beautiful. Uh, just one other one that I was keen to get your thoughts on um, up there in Sydney today, Simon, is Golden Mile. We spent a third of the program a couple of weeks ago potting him at 1,600 metres, and uh, I think we we're actually right. I'm not sure he ran the mile, but he was able to win the guineas. What do we do with him today in the uh, the calendar presnell? Well, he could round out his three-year-old campaign as a two-time mile winner, Brad, and I don't think he runs a mile, so <laughs> it's a... I want to be against. I think odds on, I'm happy to be against. It's a cheap bet to be against. Uh, but he's obviously got the form. These are sort of listed group three fringe horses that he's got to beat uh, this afternoon, meeting them at set weight. So it's not a hard task for him. But if he is suspect at the mile, which I think he is, and my one little nigger with this race is I do feel Hugh Bowman's going to ride him like a Ferrari. And that means he's probably going to give him all a start because he's on the best horse and he think he'll just round them up. And if that's the case, I think a lot more love from that inside draw gets a soft run. I wouldn't be surprised to see her be off and gone and Gold Mole can't run her down. So I'm opposing because it's an easy favourite to oppose. Yep, I'm I'm in your corner there. I'm not sure what I would want to back to beat him, though, so it's just a watch race for me. You've outlined that Espiona is your best for the day up there in Sydney. Any other things on the program that you're keen on today? Uh, one horse I suggest everyone watch. Uh, it's an interesting race in terms of if you want to have a bet, but I think commanding for Team Snowden comes up in race four. The wide draw means it's going to get back in the race, but I think he's a really nice horse, and he was a good run first up off a 574-day break. He just got narrowly beaten at Warwick Farm there, so he's definitely got a win in coming this preparation. I know he's only in a benchmark 78 this prep, so there's a lot of good races on today, but trust me, put him in your black book. I think he'll be winning a race uh, during the carnival down your way if they take him that way. All right, beautiful. There's one for us to keep an eye on. What about you, Adam? Uh, anywhere across the country, who are you betting on? Uh, I'll throw up Sweet Ride in the in the Red Anchor as, as my best. I'm looking at form here in, in Sydney where he's a San Domenico winner, placed in a fast run to the Rose, and admittedly conditions were a bit desperate last time, but placed in a, a Roman Consul, which is historically always a, a strong lead to races like this in, in Melbourne, and obviously he goes on on any conditions, but I've got all three of those ratings clearly better than the average, sort of rolling 10-year average winning rating for a uh, red anchor. Only Karuta Queen and, and Holler have, have run better numbers than him, and they both came down from Sydney to do that as well. So I think Sweet Ride turns up in, in the red anchor there, sort of head and shoulders above them. I would have marked him a, a very clear favourite, and I'm, I can trust him on, on pretty much any ground. So um, Sweet Ride for me. Maybe my Oberon would be a... Would have been a trendy one that I, I could have thrown up with international form there for Annabelle in the, the Crystal Mile, but he's a little wet track niggle for me. His form is less convincing on, on soft ground in, in Europe, but he's got some great form lines there, and he's he's got a rating that says he's every bit of Crystal Mile horse as well. So my Oberon is interesting, but I'm, I'm just a little bit worried about how the day will play out for him. Uh, interesting watch, but Sweet Ride the bet. There it is. Race three, number two, a $3.60 chance at Sweet Ride. As mentioned earlier, my best is Animo in the Cox Plate. I also like Do It La, race five, number two at Mooney Valley, and Barclay Square, race seven, number one. They're all around about the same price, that 240 to 260 mark. I'm keen to play on those three today at the Valley. Thanks for your time, boys. It's a big day in both states. Looking forward to it all unfolding. We'll be back next week for the Racing and Sports Rundown. And don't forget, you can now listen to RSN via the Racing and Sports website.